everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Inside the Hexagon. I am your host, as always, Phil Lanides. But today it is my co-host, Josh Molina, who's taken the reins for this week's episode. And he is interviewing former Strike Force middleweight champion, Kung Lee. And this is the second time we've had Mr. Lee on Inside the Hexagon. And they have a great discussion. They talk about Kung's rematch with Scott Smith. You remember Hands of Steel won their first encounter at Strike Force Evolution in December of 2009. And now here we are in June t- 2010. Strike Force Fader versus Verdun. The co main event is the rematch between Kung and Scott. And so they talk about this fight. Kung talks about how personal it was for him. He really took the first loss hard. And so preparing for this one uh, was difficult, but something he wanted to do. And so they take a, they, they, they took a very important spot on the card and put on a great fight. But this time, Kung got the win. So they talk about that. Uh, they also talk about Kung's lawsuit against the UFC, uh, some other legal uh, situations that he's dealing with, but also really delve into his overall legacy in MMA. So it's a really good discussion. Really appreciate Josh taking the time to do it and Mr. Lee as well. Hope that you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to Inside the Hexagon. This is Josh Molina in place of normal host Phil Lanitas, who's allowed me the incredible opportunity today to talk to Strikeforce legend Kung Lee. Kung Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Kung, I really am honored to uh, have the opportunity to, to talk to you. Uh, you're definitely one of my favorite fighters because your style is just unparalleled. You know, incredible striking ability, incredible kickboxing, just so many great attributes you had inside the cage. And just, you know, you're <clears throat> people who don't know you, you know, you're just a really good person too, really disciplined and nice guy. So it's my pleasure to sort of talk to you uh, today. And, you know, my partner, Phil and I, we've been sort of reliving, you know, each uh, strike force show. And, you know, we're right at the show with, um, you know, the main event was uh, Fedor versus Verdum, June 26, 2010. But also on that card was a big co-main event with uh, Kung Lee versus Scott Smith. And Kung, you were avenging, attempting to avenge um, a loss to Scott Smith the prior December. Can you talk to me a little bit about what was going on in your head going into this this rematch obviously the loss was a big upset uh, everyone sort of predicted you'd beat scott smith and you know he caught you in the, the third round what was going on just sort of in your training your preparation what was motivating you for this rematch with scott smith well um first of all after i lost to scott smith i was you know really really upset and really sad and really you know um just uh, you know, I took it pretty hard, and then uh, but it, it I it lit the fire for me to you know just uh, push Scott to get that rematch because you know when Scott came to me, I just came back from um, filming a bunch of films, and um, you know he said he needed a main event that can draw um, you know towards the end of the year in December, and I was mm-hmm. just like I just I literally haven't done any training except cardio and like watching my my diet for these films you know um so i'm not sure if i can take this fight and then um scott saw we really need you and you know we were having um soup at this uh place that we always have it's a vietnamese soup called pho and it was um and then uh, he just says at least can you try and then so i said you know give me a little time let me go and then see how 
you know, the first week goes. And, you know, after the first week, I, actually the first day, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm I'm so sore. And, like, the soreness didn't even go away for a whole week, you know. And, um, and uh, you know, he, he just said, I really need you. So I said, all right, you know, I figure I'll just, you know, uh, you know, taper my training until I can go full on and, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know, and, you know, the first fight, I felt like I was dominating every single round until the last two minutes. And I just remember Javier told me, Kung, you, you, you dominated the first two rounds. Uh, each round could have been 10 eights. You know, you don't need to like go out there and try to knock this guy out, just go and stick and move. But instead, you know, I, you know, I'm, it's been a long time since I was, you know, like almost two years since I've been back in inside the, you know, inside the cage. So I just, I went out there and, you know, I didn't listen to Javier and, and I just try to go for the knockout and I picked him up a few times and try to slam him and he grabbed the fence. And I think that just zapped me. Mm-hmm. And then I was, I just remember breathing so hard because I was in, in the best shape. And, uh, you know, when your cardio has gone, you know, he, he barely, yeah, you know, he caught me with a really uh, good uh, counter hook because I was shooting in. And as I was shooting in, um, you know, he just clipped me perfectly. And, and uh, you know, I from there I was on wobbly legs and he just chased me down and just, uh, you know, he, he got the finish. So, yeah. you know, after that, I just uh, I, I knew I can beat him. Uh, right. Wasn't doubt. I knew that if I had proper training and if I was just had to if I just listen to my corner in the third round because Javier's like, you're doing everything right now. I need you to listen to me. Go and stick and move. And I just I don't know how to fight stick and move anymore. You know, I should know how to like entertain and just like you know pick slam them or do my spin kicks you know as you see the first first fight the spin kicks early in the round i hit him and he was flying across the you know like you know like from the center he flew into the cage you know yeah and uh, it just i just hit a wall uh, you know i just haven't trained in over um, 18 months uh like any any kind of fight training then when i did get back in you know um it was it was it was rough you know it was rough and i i wasn't even really really fully recovered from my training and then uh you know um even when i kicked him i was like oh usually my shins don't hurt until after the fight but during the fight i was like my shin hurts my fit my knuckles hurt everything was tender on my body you know so yeah it just happens and uh you know i feel i figure if i get the rematch and i train you know um smart and uh, then listen my corner i shouldn't have any problem and the second fight i went in there and i you know i I I did my I got my revenge. Now, what, what was that like losing to a guy like Scott Smith? Scott Smith's a good guy. He's a nice guy. You know, he's 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 uh works hard. You know, he's had a few comeback victories. When you lose to somebody, this was your first um, MMA loss. Um, does it feel any different when you lose to like a guy like that that you know you're better than? Uh, would you rather lose to somebody who is more of a, a a matchup for you on paper? Or can you help me understand? You know what what was it like to lose to a guy like Smith? Was it because he's a nice guy, not the end of the world, or what was that like for you? You know, I, I took the loss really hard. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't my night. You yeah. know, I listened to the corner and. It was a hard le- lesson to learn. And so, you know, um, so if I lost to him, you know, maybe, you know, I, I just figure I take it as a lesson and I learn from it and and move on. I can't look back in the future because when you're looking back and, and you're, you know, you're, you know, 
you're spending all that energy looking back it just it doesn't do any good you know so you got for me I'm, I'm i'm a really positive person so i just look back i take what i did wrong and i you know i made my my adjustments and then i went out there and then i know and I, you know i i you know i went on to the, in the second fight and, and yeah so looking at that second fight uh it was very different fight uh, uh scott smith came in kind of hot you know he started to put a lot of pressure on you and uh you know you're you're at your best uh early you know we talked about this a few years ago when i was at the mercury news and interviewed you you explained to me it takes a lot of energy to throw those kicks right and so you know those kicks hurt they're hard and 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 here is scott smith in that second fight trying to come right at you were you surprised at all that he came at you with that kind of intensity, trying to get a knockout that early instead of maybe trying to stretch it out through through uh, three rounds like he did the first time. What was your take? You know, can you take me back to being inside the cage at that time? And what are you thinking when you see him looking at you and how he's coming out at you? Taking you back um, before the the second fight with Scott Smith. Yeah. Um, I just remember every time we had a little press conference and we had a face off, <clears throat> and I looked at him, I just said, "I'm I'm going to be in shape this time." You know, and for me, I, I, I go back and, you know, I, I took, I, I took, I, I learned a big lesson and I knew I was going to come in shape, but then at the same time, you know, between me and Javier, we figure he was going to come, you know, blitzing because, you know, if I'm going to be in shape, you got to either catch me early and if you drag it out, you know, I'm, I'm still going to be there and I'm going to still be doing damage. So we kind of coached against, against, you know, against me and just to figure out what his, his team would want him to do, you know, over his A plan, his B plan, his C plan. And then, uh, you know, I, right away when he came out, you know, gun, guns blazing, you know, I just, I figure I have really good defense. You know, for me, I've always taught my students, my sons attack what's open, defend what's coming. And, uh, you know, and he came out, he came in hot. And so my defense was, you know, up and, you know, really nothing really slipped in. And I was able to, you know, weather the storm and at the, at the same time do damage back. So every time I countered, I would want to do damage. And every time I hit because, you know, instead of throwing, you know, uh, punches and bunches, I'm very accurate. So I would hit them. And then every time I hit them, I, I saw that I hurt them. So I just um, slowly but surely stock and then uh, close close you know, close off that, um, that cage and then make it small for him. And then, you know, then, then, then take him to deep waters, you know, early for me, you know, second round, I knew, okay, I knew what he was going to do in the, after the first round. So the second round, I said, uh, you know, I'm going to open up now. Yeah, definitely. It was a very different fight. You could see that right away. And Scott Smith just, um, I know it was just a different kind of energy. I didn't see any path for him winning that second fight because you were catching him and, you know, those kicks to the body, those hurt. And, uh, you know, he was, he was where he was showing it, you know, early in that fight. Hey, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, Jake Shields did an interview with my partner, Phil Lanitas, and uh, he talked about sort of the state of the division at that time. And 
um, one of the things he said was, because we were kind of wondering, why did Kung Lee give up the championship, you know, leading up to that first fight? And one of the things he said was, he didn't want to fight Jake Shields, you know, and um, I kind of find that hard to believe. You guys are fighters. I don't really think you're afraid of anybody. That's what you do. You fight. Um, why did you give up the title? Did it have anything to do with the fact that Jake Shields was in line for a title shot? First of all, I, I, I didn't hear anything about um, Jake Shields with Scott Coker yeah. on those. Hey, Kung, what are you going to do? You know, I know, um, you know, you, you're, you're the champion right now. I know you, you know, you just completed, um, you know, your first movie and you're, you know, you're, you're out of the country and you're filming in, in, in Germany, uh, you know, uh, is, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Um, and then I, I said, you know, I got another movie right after this and this movie was, is going to be filming for another two months. I was, I, I only been there for two weeks then and then after that they wanted me to do a bunch of like um um you know like press tours to promote like the other movie that i just did and then um and then so scott saw so you're either gonna have to defend your title or you're gonna have to vacate it and i'm all you know um you know thanks for letting me you know make this decision um but you know like this is just a great opportunity i'm getting to you know work with some really big directors and really big you know um producers and being you know with um you know the man with the iron fist was universal get to work with like eli roth rizza and dave batista was in there and you know and uh, russell crow and, and then then going to my next movie was the grand master and i was actually filming two movies at the same time and then um uh, grand master was getting stretched out and while i was in um um uh, you know while i was uh, you know over there in in, in china um, I was going back and forth between two sets and then, you know, uh, Grandmaster was with a, a very famous director in Ch uh, from Hong Kong, Wong Kar Wai. And then, then there was a legendary um, second unit director uh, and he was he was in charge of all the action. And that was um, Master Wu Ping. And so he he done like the Matrix. He's he's like really like like he's like very big, big, big in Asia. And then he was the one who said, hey, let's try Kung Lee for this part. So, you know, I got a chance to work out there. Then, then you know, I actually turned down a couple movies. And then I, you know, I jumped on to a starring role, uh, starring role called, you know, Dragon Eyes. So, um, you know, I, I figure it, it was going back to back to back. And then I had another two movies lined up. So I, I, I just, I told Scott, I'm going to have to vacate the title. But then I did say, you know, if you really need me when I'm done, you know, give me a little time then what what he did was you know I, I he ended up asking me after i i came back you know the first thing you know we were supposed to have a, a, some soup because i i was back in town and instead instead of just having soup he he gave me an, he gave me an offer to to fight scott smith for the first time and i was like you know again i was like i wasn't ready you know but, but i i ended up you know um agreeing to the fight and then I lost and then I made my comeback, but yeah, I just ne never heard of anything like, you know, like you have to fight Jake Shields or you have to fight. You know, I, I, I know that Jake Shield ended up fighting Dan Henderson, you know, so, you know, there's nothing I can, nothing I could have done except give up my opportunities not to work with, you know, and Grandmaster was ended up being nominated for two Oscars, you know, and right. then uh, the man with the iron fist, you know, just opened up a lot of doors for me. So I just, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I don't look back at what I could have done. I just, I did this and, you know, moving on now, you know, just, yeah. uh, 
it wasn't in the plans and it worked out that way. So I just live and learn. Yeah. Okay. And you, this was a, this fight with Scott Smith. This was your last fight in strike force. Can you talk a little bit about your decision and in, in leaving strike force to go, to go to the UFC? Uh, was it, was it your, your dream? Did you always want to be on that stage? So more, more people could see your skills. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your decision to, to try the UFC and leave strike force um, after the Scott Smith fight. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a really loyal guy, right? So I was always going to stay with Scott Coker, but then when uh, UFC bought out strike force, Scott Coker started working for, 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 for um, UFC. And then, then I figure I said, okay, well, I'm going to go and push. I got another offer. Like it was another, another movie, then another movie after that. So I had three movies lined up back to back to back again. And then, uh, you know, I, I, they offered some pretty good money. And, and then, um, so I, I ended up taking it. And then, so during that time, I, I started, you know, uh, shooting and then promoting the other movies that were coming out. And I remember at Comic-Con, I said, hey, you know, um, since UFC owns Strikeforce now and Scott Coker's working for Strikeforce, you know, if, 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 if I'm going to fight again, I'll fight for the UFC. If not, I'll just retire and do films, you know? And um, right away, Dana White and Lorenzo, uh, they got me out to uh, Vegas and offered me a contract and I signed on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was sort of a... a- kind of sad actually when when uh ufc purchased strike force because strike force was was really exciting especially if you were somebody who was who grew up with it in the bay area you know and you know was was going to the shark tank and watching these fights and seeing it sort of get to a point where the ufc said hey we want to we want to take control of this and you know it was obviously never the same i think they tried to keep it kind of its own sort of brand for a while but obviously eventually it it ended up just being folded into the UFC but you know you're one of the legends of strike force obviously that big fight with Frank Shamrock was a huge deal you know the fight for San Jose and you guys were sort of the basis of strike force early on what do you think of your legacy um, in strike force um, you know how would you how do you look back at those years and the fact that you were helped you were able to really be the face and, and build that organization. You know, I'm, I'm honored to, you know, be part of strike force, uh, you know, be part of UFC and, uh, you know, all glory goes to God. And, um, you know, I, I, I wake up every single day still thanking uh, God for all the blessings that he's blessed me with. So, you know, um, uh, I, I, of course I wish it would have turned out differently, um, but uh, it didn't. And, you know, it's like um, now I'm I'm just uh, you know I'm coaching my son and, and being able to you know um, do what I do and do what I love and and then you know still have the support of the MMA community whenever I do something or you know you know it's just I, I got a strong following and I'm I'm grateful for that so uh, you know I I count my blessings every day. Yeah, and are you still in San Jose? Is that where you live? Yes. Um, I live in San Jose now, but I did move for Elk Grove for a bit, but I, I'm back now. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, uh, uh, I came back and then next thing you know, um, like, uh, almost a year later, COVID hits, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. And how old is your son? Is he going to be an MMA fighter or what's his deal? Oh yeah. He just recently won his first, um, um, like I put him in this, uh, they call it point Muay Thai because mm-hmm. they don't want to have any knockouts and it's just a way to not have the, 
athletic commission so they keep everything with a lot of control but sometimes these these events it, it all depends on the judges you know but you know my son he's 16 now and uh you know he's he's he's, he's quite a he, you know he's got a lot of potential so mm-hmm. i he, i'm just going to guide him in the right uh, direction keep him on the right path and then um my oldest son he's doing really good you know he's doing <clears throat> he's uh, you know he's working with stocks and then he's uh, real estate and so he's doing good for himself you know, and then, um, you know, my wife has two kids and, you know, we just uh, been dealing with, uh, you know, the Kentucky um, corruption out there and, you know, with all the corruption out there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together uh, a team of lawyers to kind of expose all the, 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 the darkness out there. Is that something separate or related to MMA or is that something with your wife or what is that? For my wife, because she's a... Uh, oh. Uh, a native american and so oh, okay. um you know the the sheriff out there was her ex she was never married to him but oh. they have a kid and he's just you know the the stuff that is done in movies is actually what's happening now so you know um i, I use my platform to expose the corruption out there and then um you know um, i'm gonna definitely bring a uh i'm gonna i'm i'm really close to bringing a federal case against uh Boyd County, Kentucky, and CPS and all that because she has two kids over there and um, literally she has no record. She's clean, you know, um, and, you know, it's a good old boy system over there. So, um, it, you know, I, I'm just, it's like I'm fighting, I'm fighting two-headed dragon right now. I'm fighting, uh, I'm representing 1,215 fighters in, in the class action against UFC and then I'm, I'm up against, the, you know, these corrupt, you know, good old boy system you know, in Boyd County, Kentucky. So that's what yeah. I'm doing. Well, uh, you know, you, you, um, you're a tremendous highlight reel fighter. And I think that a lot of people got to see you in the, in strike force more in the UFC, uh, but you're really one of a kind. There's nobody else who you could say that guy fights like Kung Lee. I mean, Kung Lee fights like Kung Lee and there's no one else who's, who's able to do that. And it was sort of unfortunate that, you know, um, you got started late in MMA because God knows had you gotten started early, you know, how, you know, how, how incredible, you know, of a, of a uh, career you could have had, you know, um, doing that. You didn't, you had a great career with what you did, but um, you know, I, I'm wondering if you could just sort of uh, wrap up, you know, to, where is the the status with the UFC and the lawsuit? Is that still an ongoing thing? You're representing 1200 fighters. Um, that sounds like a big, big thing, big leadership position for you. You know, I, I took it on first. Um, I, my son Anthony, he really wants to fight, and uh, figure if I don't do something, you know, and he's got to get stuck with this kind of, you know, BS. Then you know, um, I'll do something. But then, you know, I have a lot of friends <clears throat> that are part of the UFC, so I figure, you know, I might as well stand for something. Plus, at the time, Rampage reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, um, you know, um, check this out. I want you to talk to this, um, Rob Macy, he's a lawyer. He's the one who's putting this together. And then, so I, I jumped on it and I, I, I talked to Rob and then I saw what they're doing. And then, and then, uh, then Rampage had a change of mind and what still wanted to fight. And so I stepped up and, and with my name alone, um, uh, was enough for them to push forward along with, you know, John Fitch and Nate Corey, Brandon Vera, you know, Javier, and, um, you know, uh, so we just went out there and rolled up our sleeves and said, we know it's going to be uh, a drag out, you know, barn burner, 
let's do this, you know, let's represent, you know, in the best way we could representing other fighters. And, you know, after we, um, you know, um, you know, change them, we change history. So, so, I, you know, I jumped on and, and, then uh, you know, represent 1,215 fighters and then hopefully the future of MMA, like my son will come up through it and, and then, uh, you know, and be able to have that, you know, fair kick and fair chance to making them, you know, like the, the most money out of it instead of just everything going into the UFC's pocket, you know? So, yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm going to give you the last word here before we wrap up, but, um, you know, Kung, can you just uh, talk to your fans, talk to everybody who's watched you fight over the years and who you brought a little bit of excitement to and, and joy to, you know, what do you want to tell them about your time in strike force and your time as an MMA, MMA fighter and, you know, sort of the legacy you left behind? Uh, first of all, I want to thank God for mm -hmm. all this, all the opportunities I have. I want to thank all the fans for supporting me and whatever I did, whether I fought in strike force or UFC and, my career before that and uh, you know first and i want to thank scott coker he recently did an interview and said that you know um even though i started late you know and it made me realize all the platforms that i have fought on where it's bare knuckle karate um to sand show or sanda and then kickboxing and all the different types of fighting that i did even even point fighting and continuous sparring and taekwondo sparring i've done it all and i've achieved like very high level in each, uh, you know, fight system that I entered in. And, you know, I feel blessed that I was able to, you know, fight on many different platforms and on many different styles. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. And I, I look back and I just thank God and thank, and thank all the fans. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kung, for your contributions to the sport. You're one of the good guys and one of the, you know, most exciting fighters in MMA, um, for sure. And uh, you've made an impact inside the cage and outside of it. So uh, thank you so much for taking time to be on Inside the Hexagon and uh, relive a little bit of, you know, one of the, one of the best fights you, you know, you had your, your uh, vengeance against Scott Smith. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Kong, and have a great day. I appreciate it. Thank you. You, you have a great day. All right, I want to thank our very special guest, Kung Lee, for taking the time to join us on this week's episode of Inside the Hexagon. I hope that you enjoyed it. I definitely did. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Josh's interview with Kung. I appreciate Kung being so open with us and sharing so much. Again, I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Coming up, we are going to be covering Strike Force Houston, which featured a light heavyweight title match between King Mo and Rafael Feijao Cavalcante. Looking forward to that. Also, Tim Kennedy versus... Ronaldo Jacare Souza for the now vacant Strike Force middleweight title. There's a big, huge brawl between KJ Nunes and Jorge Gurgel. Bobby Lashley competes on the card. Daniel Cormier is on the card in a a non main main card spot, which is interesting when you look at his career now, of course. But he was early on in things. Uh, but it's a really interesting card to cover. After that, Feijao has agreed to come on the podcast. We haven't scheduled it yet, but uh, we should be getting that done shortly. Looking forward to that. We'll be covering Strike Force Diaz versus Noons 2 after that. And then Rob Hyder, formerly of EA Sports, is going to be coming on to talk about the EA Sports MMA video game. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Make sure you check us out on social media. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at the Hexagon Pod. And you can reach me, of course, with Phil with, with any sort of feedback, questions, ideas at Phil at insidethehexagon.com. But with that, we're going to go ahead and ride off into the sunset. Hope that you stay safe and you stay healthy, and we will see you soon. 
Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.